0: you're listening to the a scully cast brought to you by www.ascully.com and here are your hosts a scully and sid talk sid talk what do you want welcome to the show
1: oh thanks thanks very much
0: what have you got to say today Um,
1: (laughs) everything can we start you from the s- beginning? Yes. From the very minute I got up? Till now? No. I don't even remember. I don't have much to say. We didn't have much of a before the after-show discussion, We're except...
0: Pinterest. 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 We're talking about Pinterest. <laughs> I like Pinterest, I don't man. use it. You I don't use it. use
1: it necessarily to post things. I have a few, but very not... But I just, like, you know, I do my little search about... Or I just let it do its little search about once a week, and... I have random things and random people that I follow, so you get I get a nice combination, but it's always in things I'm interested in. Art, drawing specifically, lots of pencils, pictures of pencils and sketches
0: by pencils. That's how I use Twitter.
1: Right? I have a lot I don't of, like Twitter at all. I have a lot
0: of people I follow and I follow it all the time. So you get news from the people you follow which But you have to
1: click everything on Twitter to look no, at it. Not always.
0: Not do. not with the new Twitter. Now they've now they've actually um added photos to the timeline. You don't have to actually click. The photos mm-hmm. appear in the timeline now. But um they didn't used to it used to just be a link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I follow how I use Twitter is I follow all the news that I'm interested in like video games, movies, all the movie studios all have a Twitter account. If you follow them all, it acts as like a personal news feed and only delivers news that you're bothered about, you know? So that's how you could use Pinterest, I guess, in the same vein. I don't
1: really care about news. I want to follow like, I want news. I will go to cnn.com.
0: Yeah, I find Twitter's faster at news than anywhere else because people start talking about stuff quickly. Like it, it really. Why are
1: you in such a hurry?
0: Um, if if there's something like interesting happening, it's interesting to get it right up and right up when it happens. For me, anyway, I don't know about you. No. Like news is about like it being. You know, breaking news. Oh,
1: George Lucas just wiped his ass, everybody.
0: No, but <laughs> Yes That's not a news, lot of it.
1: the stuff you tell me is that equal importance that you read on Twitter. Well,
0: to you, but to uh, and No, and that I wouldn't George Lucas <laughs> wiped his ass isn't news, but It
1: was an example, which I equal to lots of A things. new
0: Star Wars movie's coming out is news to me. I'm interested in that. Yeah, so. but why did
1: you need to know it right the second? Like five minutes later, or when you read a normal news site, it doesn't make any sense to me. The Twitter the Twitter it makes people...
0: Plus, what I, what I think is cool about Twitter is you don't have to go off hunting for news all over the place. Like, I've got to find some movie news here and some thing news here. It all comes in one place.
1: How do you, you have to follow all that shit,
0: though. Yeah, and I have over time. And now all the movie studios that I follow, I have <laughs> as a timeline.
1: Look who's on mine. George Takei. An artist you don't know about. A person I don't even know. Oh, it's a vegan person. Museum of Modern Art. And
0: all the all the people I don't know... I um it, you know if it's if it's something I'm not specifically interested in I don't follow it or right. I mute it. Now you can mute now as well which is interesting because before if you followed somebody and then they were irritating posting too much you either unfollowed them or you just persevered with their shit. Now you can actually mute them which I is just which is good on a person I So you can still it. follow them. And if you want to reverse that you can but you can just you know, stop them posting in your timeline which is really cool, it's a cool new feature because yeah, there are irritating people Kevin Smith, I'm a fan of Kevin Smith I like his stuff, but I can't follow him on Twitter because my whole timeline is Kevin Smith If you
1: follow him and mute them, then what's the point?
0: Well, you can still click on the Kevin Smith link and look at his timeline Yeah, but timeline. you could anyway You could, but it's easier to get to it because it's right there in your thing in your followers like I mean, you, you followed him
1: yeah. Not a follower.
0: Yeah. I followed him, yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's right there. It's easier to get. So you can see, you can go to who who have I muted, and there's a big list of muted people, and you can just check in on them every now and then, which I do, instead of having to deal with that. Isn't that stuff.
1: more of like a bookmark?
0: Yeah. But it also means you didn't unfollow them. It's Because like unfollowing them is like, oh, I'm not a fan of these people anymore. I'm getting rid of them. But no, I still want them. I just don't want to see that day to yeah. day things, you know. Okay. So it works. I'm sure people don't care about Twitter, to be honest. I'm sure they do. Twitter is a actual, big deal.
1: Actually, before the after-show discussion, immediately before, was the cover of this movie, and not just this one, specifically, but how they um, de-age people, reverse time on people.
0: <laughs> it's really weird. If it it, is. you you might not have never ever noticed this, but. If you look at movie posters and covers of Blu-rays which are actually movie posters anyway um, people they have this odd it's not not all of them. No. Because we're looking at American Sniper it, that's just a shot from the movie. But um, this one what we're going to review today A Walk Among the Tombstones Liam Neeson's Like lost twenty, he's like twenty years younger on the on the cover, even though it is a shot from the movie. It's not
1: just a matter of tucking in the side of the neck and sucking in the waist with a little bit of a dibble dab on the PaintShop Pro or Photoshop. It is like let's smooth out every line on every shadow on his face, and it's very. It's like
0: we're idiots. And I found they do it with women more.
1: Who doesn't know how old Liam... I mean, I don't know exactly how old he is, but I understand. He's not 20 yeah, years Yeah, well,
0: old. like I said, you turn the cover over and on the back there's a picture of him straight out of the movie. Yeah. Not touched up.
1: Well, it's quite touched <laughs> up some, but it's not, not really. the same, yeah.
0: Um, but I found they do it with women, like the Sin City cover with Jessica Alba. Like, it's, it's yeah, completely... Yeah, but in the movie, she's already super smart. But stylized. it's even more on the poster. It's like they put something over the top. Um... They do it with women a lot, but...
1: I mean, I get it, but I think it's... Yeah, but it, it does not you down.
0: It. I don't get it, because you can watch the movie and see them how they really are. They're not all... Yeah, but look. that
1: gets you in. Yeah. So I get it. It,
0: it makes is, you go, oh. It's really odd, though, because it's somebody's job to sit there, and they go, here's Tom Cruise's Lots new... Lots of somebody's. Here's Tom Cruise's new movie poster. Uh, make Tom Cruise look a bit better than he does. Somebody and has to some say There's
1: some snotty, 30-year-old piece of shit standing over their shoulder going let's knock a little bit of this off pointing to the corner of the crow's eyes or crow's but what nest. I think crow's is ri-
0: what I think is really funny about the whole thing is somebody tells somebody to make Tom Cruise look better than he is yeah like Tom Cruise doesn't look good, that good make him look better Ugh. which is bullshit so uh yeah let's just be honest people um, so this is uh, Saturday May the 9th And this is after the show number 375 This week's movie that we're going to be reviewing Because we are a movie review podcast Is A Walk Among the Tombstones Which is a 2014 movie um, Actually released on Blu-ray this year It's out now It's rated R And it's from our friends at Universal And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of A Walk Among the Tombstones
1: Sid Talk will you didn't ask this time. You just said it. Sheesh. A walk among the tombstones would have to be about a man.
0: Who is... Uh, this is one of Sid Talk's famous synopsis. <laughs> yes. It's a man.
1: A man versus himself. And man versus man. That's about it. Man versus society. No, there's no man versus society here. There's a dude who's been a cop, been an alcoholic, been shady. You now he hooks up with some more shady characters to resolve what, in the 90s, would have been the hot topic. We'll talk about it, so spoilers for later. You know, this horrible serial killer kind of a thing. And um that's about it, really.
0: Yeah, private eye, <laughs> serial killer. I
1: did my synopsis.
0: That's it. Private Eye Serial Killer movie. (laughs) So, um.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah.
0: That's that's simplifying it a little bit. He ain't
1: Philip Marlowe. I'll tell you
0: that. No, but it's quite clear. I mean, this is based on a series of books, but it's based on one of the books. But it's quite clear it wants to be a Philip Marlowe or a um, gumshoe type. It's like a modern gumshoe.
1: Yeah, I listen to classic radio all the time, and they're all on there. You know, the Shadow Nose and the uh, Johnny jo- Johnny Dollar, who's the yep. insurance investigator. There's Philip Marlowe. There's Sam Spade. And um, Broadway is my beat. These are all ones where it starts out with the voiceover of, I was sitting in my office when she walked in. The dame. The that- dame. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot like of Sensei. dame and you know, <laughs> the street was sweaty that night. I could
0: feel the tension from Forty to 39th. And that 30. reminds me immediately <laughs> of uh, Marv from Sin City. You know the uh, his his is a gumshoe type thing, isn't it? Marv um, Mickey Rock story in Sin City. Mm-hmm. He's like the rain beat down on the pavement like it was a. He said that. Yeah, he does that voiceover in the original mm. Sin City. Like it's like it's like a gumshoe. Oh, Gumshu kind story. of yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know if it's a gumshoe story just because of that.
0: Well, gumshoe means private eye, right? It's just a...
1: He's not a private eye.
0: Private detective.
1: Marv's not a private detective. He is, isn't he? I don't think so. Yeah,
0: he is. He has his own office. He says it on the door. Like He's a private detective. Oh. Like an old school... Like... Hmm. You know, dude for hire. But, uh, yeah, it reminds me of that. Anyway, what you were saying? That's it. Okay, so... Moving on to the actual... This this is based on a book, Walk Among the Tombstone*. So I'm not familiar with the books at all. They were wrote in the 70s and 80s. Um, and this one is uh, more further on in time because um, it takes place in 1999. So this one has a lot of uh, year 2000 references in it. There's twi- one. No, this is more than one. I saw some graffiti... On the wall that said, Y2K, clear your computers. Did you see that? I saw um, somebody mentioned the year 2000. They were talking about computer. Well, there is... It was
1: all Y2K, really. And then you see the Twin there Towers. There was a taxi a very, with Y2... Uh, right, it was all
0: Y2K. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There was the one thing
1: that they were referencing. And then, then you see the Twin, twin I would Towers.
0: I was saying there were numerous references to Y2K in this movie. Um, so, yeah, it, it borders around that. Plus, you know, the Twin Towers were standing... It was pre nine eleven, and that is addressed a little bit. But it's like it's like a different time. Very little. <laughs> well, I think it's like a, it feels like a different time. Like Total you know, cell, not every, everybody's not on an iPhone. It's not. It's that you know, cell phones are. Well, he won't even have a cell phone. This, they thing, exist. this guy. Yeah, but he won't. He have just one. didn't want one. Yeah, because he's like.
1: Yeah, but he wouldn't want one now. No, so. <laughs> he's is that type a, of guy. Paranoid yeah. about you know
0: people are watching him. He didn't say that. He did. Well, he did actually to that kid. He said he said to the kid, "I, I, I don't, I don't." He didn't say people were watching me, but that was the vibe. He also said about the computer, like he doesn't want to get into that. He so he said, can, "Why bother?" Yeah, but I didn't
1: think it was a paranoid thing.
0: No, nah, it was a vibe of that's not going to help you. Like it, like you need to have your wits about you. Don't use that stuff.
1: Yeah, I just didn't get the vibe he cared about right. people following him or anything at all.
0: But I think that's why he didn't have a cell phone. But, um it has that vibe to it it's it's dirty it, it feels dirty and less technological than today uh, the opening scene is awesome I thought the the very beginning scene before the credits and the credits were really awesome too you know the scene with the woman lying down oh yeah and the credits going over the top of it I thought those were really it was it was quite weird and like you don't know what's going it was a bit David Fincher to me like that like what David Fincher would do. But that opening scene was so brutal um, before the credits. Which, the you know, it, it's it's previous in time, the opening scene. And it's a really awesome scene. And he's in this bar and then some dudes come in and some scuffle goes off. And then he, there's an action scene. But then they do this amazing thing and it looks like a 1970s movie. The, the cinematography. He's going down these steps and... Uh, they do the credits over as he's walking and then it fits into the frame perfectly. And it reminds me of a 1970s movie like The Exorcist or anything like um, uh, Death Wish or those kind of movies where they did that, you know? Like Liam Neeson is. like. I have to disagree that it was brutal, but
1: the sound was pretty loud. It was
0: brutal. Like there was
1: One thing people was get- brutal.
0: Yeah, people getting shot. Like, Like it looked like... In a lot of movies when people get shot, it doesn't look real to me. It looks like people clutching it, you know. A shot goes off and they uh being shot. This looked like people being shot to me. Like, it, it actually looked like people being shot. There's a guy behind the bar. The guys come in and they just point blank him in the face. And you can see the whole thing. Like, it's just so brutal. I was like, wow, this is...
1: Wow, I just didn't think of that. I don't think it's brutal. Well, I mean, I
0: saw a guy just get, like... Shot in the like chest. Shot, yeah, but I mean shot like point blank and see him go down. Like you see it just looked like a real shooting. It looked real. Like it movie shooting is different than that.
1: I feel like it wasn't I thought it was quite movieish, but you know. No, and see. then they run
0: out into the street and there's just this amazing
1: very seventies like, movie chase. Yeah. And very seventies movie shooting.
0: <laughs> yeah, really good, I thought. It looked intense, it looked gritty.
1: You know, it reminded me of.
0: Like streets of San Francisco. Yeah, like Death Wish it reminded me of.
1: Right, I guess. I felt it was kind of cartoony and like... The only thing that was brutal was that they cranked up the sounds to a point where they didn't really fit the scene so much. But it was loud and it was...
0: And guns know. are very loud and often in movies they decrease that so much. This sounded real. Yeah, but real, when he's like-,
1: like 25 or 30 yards from us, we're not going to... It's not. It shouldn't sound like it's right next to my head, but... I think dudes just respond different to
0: that. <laughs> I thought I was it was like, a fantastic scene. It really set the movie up. Um,
1: definitely gets you thinking about what you're about to see, for
0: yeah. sure. Another, um, the rest of the movie is not quite as intense as that, to be honest. But I did like the vibe of it. I liked how it felt. It's, like it's kind of slow um, and procedural, almost. Like, you know one of these TV shows where they're kind of like, investigate this, investigate that, you know, you're going on this paper, crumb, paper trail, breadcrumbs, um, and it takes a while to get, you know, and there's a little bit of information here and a little bit of information there, it just starts to come together. I really like how that, work, that it They seem to take the time instead of rushing to the point. And um, when the bad guy, you know, I won't tell you the plot of this, because it's quite spoiler-ish, if you know about it, but there are some bad guys which isn't really a spoiler because any movie like this would have some bad guys.
1: We've already spoiled it though. Where? That I've said they are. what they are. Right. What do you mean, spoiler?
0: Like, tell you exactly what they do and where they came from and what they did. Well, no. I'm not going to do that. So, <laughs> what, um. These. when these guys are introduced, they, to me, are awesome. They're like shit scary. I was scared of them, like. There, there, like there's often killers like that in in movies and stuff where you're like, yeah, they're just so, you know, movie like. But these dudes just seem like they just seem like I could see them now outside the window just doing the thing. They sat in this van, and it's very realistic. They're just these two dudes, like, and then you realize, then you think like that could just be that could be right outside your house. That could be. When you're walking down the road, somebody could get snatched You know they snatch women. Yeah. No, I,
1: it's- I just disagree. With
0: and you they were awesome, so the two guys. Like,
1: I guess we just saw we saw the same movie and have a completely different perspective. It's very interesting.
0: Right. So your perspective- I don't disagree Is-
1: that they were creepy, but I think my I still have that thing going on. It's a very it's a very stylized kind of a thing, I felt like. Every every element of them is super stylized. They have horrible tools in their bag. They do horrible things to these people. Being above and beyond horrible what you think. Well, it's not like American Psycho horrible that we know of, but it's horrible. And that's very hyped up to me. Like beyond, it's like, well, we're going to take this idea, when he was writing it or whatever, and like make it so bad. But they weren't scary to me. I found them scary. I mean, the concept is scary, but they weren't scary to me, and they were very written. Like, how would I write somebody to seem scary to somebody else? Not like a Freddy Krueger, but, like, you know, creep you out. That's why I felt like they didn't reflect. The scarier guy to me was the pigeon guy, because he was kind of innocent, but sort of wrapped up in it. But the way he did it, well, he was more creepy to me than they were. And yeah, he was, he was a fairly guy, harmless. There's another
0: guy who's... He yeah. um, wasn't
1: a part of it or anything. He was just... But his character... Or maybe he
0: is a part of it, but... Um, don't want to spoil it. But... Right. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Maybe... Maybe he is... Uh, he is... You know, there is something with him. He's not nothing.
1: Yeah, but he's not part of them. He was just so long for the ride. But I just think it's so funny because you... That opening sequence must have just hooked you in a way... That then you went on that journey with it. And it hooked me in a completely different way. Like, oh, right, we're trying to be Clint Eastwood. We're trying to be um, the other guy from the 70s who was Mr. Vigilante. Definitely. And we're trying to mix up, yeah, and we're trying to mix in there the Philip Marlowe and the, I, you know, the private eye stuff. I get it. And now it's all going to be a little bit in that direction, but with the very 90s sort of hip stuff on top of it. Well, not
0: necessarily hip.
1: Well, hip to the '90s, hmm. the Y2K, anything that was that was like not maybe not hip is the right word, but like popular culture of the time and issues that were coming up at the time. Boom, I'm gonna plus he. I don't know when he wrote it, but he wrote it in '93. Yeah. So that is that's how he said.
0: Yeah, '73 started it. He said, and then this hmm. one was in the '90s. Right. So yeah, just after nine eleven, he wrote it. No, he wrote
1: it ninety three, and then they updated it for the movie. They said.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They added the nine eleven. Yeah, I mean the year two thousand thing. Um, but I found it interesting that it was set in that period of time. It doesn't really um come into. The, I mean, it could be set today, and it would still work. It doesn't. It's not integral to the plot that that um. is set back in the... I
1: feel like using the serial killer theme is a very 90s thing. So I don't know that it would work now.
0: Is there no serial killers I don't
1: know that there aren't. I'm just saying that was hugely popular then.
0: You mean popular as in they made a lot of movies about serial killers? And there was was a lot of serial killers
1: coming to light and serial killers being arrested and serial killers being discovered and serial killers doing their thing. Right off the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, that was like, we're just finding out these even exist. And then FBI profiling all that stuff. I'm not saying it's a worn out thing because it still exists, but I'm just saying when you use that as your thing back then, you would have been more hyped up about it, right? Because Seven and uh, Silence of the Lambs and all that kind of stuff was right in your face. Even and one of the producers mentioned
0: Silence of the Lambs in the extra. Yeah,
1: thinking it was as smart as that, yeah. which
0: I disagree with completely. I mean, it's not. it's not smart. It's not, well... When they say smart, I don't actually know what they mean 100%. Like, they think that it's clever. They're trying like to elevate it, yeah. It's not an intellectual-type movie. It's more of a, you know, it's... it's.
1: To me, there's no surprises. So that, And that's fine, though, because here's what I did... There was some that,
0: surprises for me. Here's
1: what made me like it. Even though I could tell you 80% of the things that I didn't particularly... I didn't dislike, but just very neutral about. And then there's 20%... That I really dug. And that was what I've mentioned many times before. There are characters I end up caring about. I cared about the brother. The druggie. cared about the kid, obviously. I even cared about one of the women who you never meet. But I cared in a way because... And then I kind of cared for the little girl. And the situation. In a brief period of time. I came to like, oh, oh, that sucks. And now this. And so once I'm hooked in that way... Even all the flaws, <laughs> even all the like, oh god, it's just so sort of cliche over and over and over. I'm fine with that. I can excuse a lot once I've liked some of the character. I don't even like them all, but I I could cared about what happened to them in the end.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see it being cliched really at all. Like it, like it's ba- You know, it's it's a crime novel. Um, Cliches might not be the right word. It might be, um, like, what do you call it? A drug trafficker. No, I mean, what, what do you call it? Like, it, it's similar to some. It's because it causes. The genre makes it similar to a lot of other things. Like, when you.
1: I don't mean cliche as a whole. I mean individual things happening that are very cliche to use as a story tool. You mean. A person who's made a lot of bad decisions in their life and then ultimately having to pay for those decisions in a way that else usually death or losing something very important to them. That's a cliche.
0: It's, uh, it's... Uh, yeah I know what a cliche is, yeah. but what, what I'm meaning is No, I'm I saying don't find I'm pointing it out cliche. what
1: things yeah. it's not all a cliche. What I'm saying is individual things in there. No, I didn't
0: say all. I'm saying I don't I didn't really find it cliche. I wasn't going, oh my god, that's just
1: I was neither, but it's just obvious to me. Some things are kind of lazy to me. Well I can't help it. That's are you I saying
0: I like. that right in a character who is a private eye who no, was an alcoholic him. or
1: uh, the alcoholic thing you know
0: the I troubled mean, tormented trouble past. Is, yeah. trouble usually comes from they've got an addiction of some kind right like a gambler you have an
1: addiction you lose your family you're troubled or tormented you've done something in the past that you regret but that you can't undo and then you punish your own self by making shitty enough choices in your life so that your life now is bland and and meaningless with nobody who cares about you and you care about no one now, you take that and you plug it into about thousands of different movies. I'm not saying you can't work with that. But then when you make all the other little things off of it, like he's saved, he's saved things of that day in a box. So I was like, I just think that's really funny. Like, I don't know why. I just do. Like,
0: funny, haha. <laughs> and
1: then, he's a loner. Okay, we've got the loner character. And you know immediately, now that he's a loner and we've established that, he's gonna find somebody to care about. Who's an unlikely person to care about. Right. And there we have the young man. So I mean and like I said, you can work with it, but sometimes it just barrels over me, like, you know. And I uh, again I really did like the whole of it. There's just little bits and pieces, some of the dialogue was kind of like, Ugh, like,
0: ugh. see, I never noticed any bad dialogue, but um and I didn't even think it came I across just felt wooden sometimes. I didn't think it came across as um I wouldn't have even known it was a book It didn't come across as like Oh somebody's trying to make a book I didn't even feel like it was a book You shouldn't Converted over um, So yeah that, that didn't You know s- some movies you go Oh well, this is a book Like Inherent Coming Vice. off of
1: the Yeah oh, book the,
0: come We off know it's obvious this is a book Even if you don't know it's a book
1: I'm not sure about that But I know what you're saying You know
0: like it, it You can hear pages of a it book It feels overwritten yeah. Yeah, Yeah. this doesn't feel like that. This feels underwritten. Yes. But it's not... I I really don't want to diss this movie because I think it's a good action movie.
1: But should be honest. I have to be honest. No, me, personally.
0: So you found zero flaws with the whole of it. You just... Uh, If I had to think of flaws, I would think... Um... No, it's not a perfect movie, but as far as its genre and what it is, an action movie, because that's what it is. It's an action, um, not a, not even a whodunit, really, is it? Because there's no mystery, really.
1: Right, and I like that aspect, that mm. you aren't on the, on the trail of maybe it's this person, maybe it's that yeah, person they didn't do who's going to turn out to be the bad guy who didn't think was the bad guy. None of that, which I do appreciate. It's pretty
0: straightforward.
1: And it's like that in a lot of those old stories. Yeah. And the guy who wrote, writes all these stories is relatively... He would be raising up in the 40s and the 50s. So you can get that vibe that he, you know, here is the bad guy. And here's the horrible thing they did. And here's our anti-hero coming to most likely make them pay for their sins. You know what I mean? And in the process, pay for his own sins.
0: Now, there's no doubt, like... um Liam Neeson is getting typecast into these action <laughs> roles. He's becoming um, the Charles Bronson of our day. Because, yes, he is good at them. He's good at these kind of roles. But he's also good at other kind of roles. Schindler's List, for Christ's sake. I mean, that's n- so far away from something like Taken, Nonstop, or this. But he seems to be going for these kind of roles. You know, um, I forget what Nonstop was. The one where he was on the plane.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally forgot about that one.
0: It's just a standard yeah. action movie with Liam Neeson at the helm of it, like Taken. Um, but he seems to be going, you know, those seem to attract him. And when there was a bit of an interview with him on this, it's like he likes these kind of things, doesn't he? He likes the brooding, like, uh, singular guy. So that
1: tells you there is a cliche hidden in there automatically. I like the loner character.
0: You like, because when he was young, he watched cowboy movies. Yeah. And, you know, he probably liked the man with no name. Like, he just like you know, he liked that idea. So
1: I think we all like the idea of somebody who is so broken and yet full of integrity and they want to, like, right the wrongs of the world. And yet they also know they've done wrong and they've seen it all, right? So we're, we're rooting for them. And then their downfall is always what? Because we want them not to be lonely anymore. We want them not to feel like no one loves them. We want someone to be in their life. And then as soon as that happens, that's when it all starts to fall apart. Yeah. And, like, you know. I, I, like, the, I like that dynamic. this
0: one didn't... A, a really good thing about this movie is it didn't go into, like, any romantic no, thing at good. all. You know, like that's a cliche thing, a yep. romance in the middle of a movie. Because he meets... He doesn't meet a young kid like he does in this one. He meets a, a hot blonde. Yeah. And she helps him and then he falls in love with it. That's a very cliched thing. This is not that. And it doesn't ever go into that territory, mm-hmm. does it? I That was one thing where you I You notice like, oh.
1: women are pretty absent overall. They're
0: victims mm-hmm. of these horrible men. But they're men. absent in the movie. Yeah, they are actually. Because they're the well, ones... Well,
1: let's see. Most of the women have already either been victims of a crime or in a hospital bed or they don't speak because they're just young and they don't really...
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Or they're so traumatized they can't speak. Because we're dealing women.
0: with the... There's a crying
1: nurse, a crying girl, a woman in hospital that doesn't speak, dead women.
0: It's it, like... That's it. We're dealing with the man's world. The violence, the vengeance, the... That area of of True. these all these dudes' lives. Like, they're all angry, or they need vengeance, or they're revenge, or, you know, they've got to... They're being held over a barrel by these horrible dudes, like saying, you know, give us money or we'll kill somebody. They've yeah. all got a reason to be angry, and you know, they just. So sort it's basically,
1: of... just a handbook of how men are.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there are there are barely any women in the movie, aside from victims. Mm-hmm. There isn't a character, is there? Mm-hmm. A...
1: The nurse and the woman in the hospital bed. Yeah,
0: but they're not. They're not... They're in the movie, I'm saying. Yeah, they're just... But they're not victims. No, they're not like um, main characters. They don't speak. No.
1: Well, a little bit.
0: Yeah, very little (laughs) bit. So, yeah, it's a sausage fest type movie, we say. So, let's get on to the cast. So, the first sausage is... (laughs) (laughs) Liam Neeson as Matt Scudder. I don't like that name, Matt Scudder. Uh, It kind of... It's Scudder. But, yeah, Scudder. It, well, it you kind do of, the Scudder, but it's... <laughs> it, that really does sound kind of lameish to scudder. me. Like, it's like a... It sounds like somebody... You know...
1: No, well, Scudder's kind of, like, tough.
0: Yeah, it's... Yo, Scudder. Yeah, it sounds too...
1: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Tough. Yeah. Gumshoe.
0: Like, yeah, or <laughs> TJ Hooker. Or, or like some he was saying, stupid name. you got to have
1: a good name to be a private eye. And I didn't think
0: it That's was stupid. a good name.
1: Oh, that is a good name Matt Scudder. Matt, maybe not.
0: Well, I think Liam Neeson does a good job at it. As, Aside from... When he's portraying himself in the f- opening scenes, where like they they class that he has like a worse haircut and some <sighs> facial hair, it God. indicates like ten years Usefulness.
1: As- and troubledness.
0: Yeah, but that looks older to me.
1: Yeah, well, like he actually look.
0: looks older in the first scene than he does when he's had his haircut in the next scene. So it's kind of like,
1: well, he's living rough, wouldn't he? Basically. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, and an alcoholic, but. But it was still very sculpted, the, the hair and stuff. It wasn't like he was just totally down and out with this big beard. I just thought like, he, he looks older and now he looks actually pretty solid. There's a very, cool. there's
1: a line, isn't there, that, that is drawn in Hollywood and movie making where on this side of the line, the producers, the writers, the directors, every, the makeup people, everybody in, on that project is like, gloss it up, shine it up. You know, we got to make it pop, and we got to make it this. And you can tell. There's yeah, it's a very cool stylized and thing. And then the other side of the line, you get movies where it just doesn't to me. Now, if it's if it's subtle enough, then I'm fine with it. I was going to say, like, Drive. But he's super stylized with his coat. But then I don't feel like it is.
0: So maybe it's just my own... But favorite. even this, the costuming has a lot of stylized. He's very. got a very fitted, very nice... Uh, even though it looks worn and battered, but it's a very nice designer looking. Someone
1: thought it over. Yeah, it's lot.
0: all thought about. Like <laughs> it looks like a graphic novel or something. Even though it's not, it all looks stylized to me. Whatever anybody's wearing, you can see those like concept drawings of people. Yes, exactly. And that's what they look like. They are so. Yeah, costuming and, st- and stuff like that. I thought it was a little bit contrived. Like people don't look like exactly like they would dress like that. I don't- In the places
1: where they live, everything is hyped up a bit. Yeah, I think.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some.
1: But then people love that shit. People love. Uh, the I mean, it's interesting it. to
0: look at a lot it of the stuff. Like, like the um, Dan Stevens guy, his apartment is interesting to look at because she, you know. But it's all uh, oh, again contrived. It's like, oh, and the guy who is yep. his girlfriend. Or his at wife, least they
1: explain that because she was an interior they designer. Do. <laughs> I can I can accept that one because she's going to be obnoxious a little bit. Mm. But all of it's just a little too like the pigeon guy. Everything is. And the pigeon thing, too, I was going to say, that's that's of the 90s, too. That was kind of a thing. St. Elsewhere had that.
0: And, but yeah. Liam Neeson did a good job, I think. I, I mean, he does definitely does action well when it comes down to actually doing the action parts, which this movie has a, a bit of. doesn't have a ton, does it? It's bookended with a couple of gunfights, but it's not like shooting at left, right, and center. It's I really did out. like when he punched the guy through the window. <laughs> yeah, that reminded sorry. me of Transporter, where he kicks the door off and uh-huh. the guy's behind it. But it, there's a tiny little window... And he knocks on a window and the guy's face appears and then he punches him. Through. What's
1: funny is the guy comes by once and he misses <laughs> him and he knocks on the window and the guy's like... Whoa. That was
0: really... I like that. It was like, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. Like, he's tough, you know, like the Taken guy. Like, he can really handle himself.
1: The thing that they said, though, about him, producers and everybody said, when, when they seem so off track to me, and they're the ones who make it, they say he's afraid all the time of these people. And I'm like... He's not afraid of anything. Like my impression is, he doesn't. He only gives a shit because once he cares a little bit about the person involved, he cares about that. He doesn't care if he gets hurt. He doesn't care that he got the crap beat out of him. He do, he's not phased by any of it.
0: Well, what what's funny about that? What you just say is when they said, um, you know, he's not he's not afraid of anything, and then they showed the clip of him saying. Of somebody saying to him, why are you not afraid of me? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just not afraid of anything. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and I was like,
0: did you even... Did you watch the movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause, cause he's he not did. afraid. Yeah. A woman on the interview says, he's not afraid of anything. He, You can tell. Oh No, he no, is afraid, he's of, afraid every... of everything. He's afraid of everything. He's afraid of everybody.
1: No, he's afraid of these guys.
0: Yeah. And then, then it really does show you a clip of a man saying to him, why are you not afraid of me? He's not afraid of him. And he says, I'm not.
1: He's not afraid of them. He's not even shocked by what they're doing. No, he's... if somebody points a gun at him,
0: he, he's just going to... He, it's like he's that guy who just... Whatever happens now, I accept it. Yeah. You kill me, whatever. You don't kill me.
1: You might piss me off by yeah. hurting somebody else that I tiny bit care about.
0: <laughs> but I think, it, I think he did a good job. Yeah. But I do think it's it's not... You know, it's a very standard action movie role, which he can do anyway. We know he can do it. We've seen Taken. He can do that kind of thing. Uh, Dan Stevens plays Kenny Cristo. And Dan Stevens was last in uh, The Guest, which I really loved. It was the first movie we reviewed this year. And the first time I've ever seen Dan Stevens, but he is famous for Downton Abbey. He's he's a big, you know, heartthrob guy in that. Um, and in this one, you know, it's quite different to the guy he plays in The Guest. Uh, he plays this... Would you say he's a victim? He is a victim, isn't he? Well, no, actually. He's
1: not the victim.
0: No. He's a husband He has, a, Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's, it, really. he's a he's a character who... It, it, I found, found him interesting. He's you know. an
1: anti-victim. Because you're supposed to care about what's happening around him. But,
0: but he's what he is, is makes it hard for you. But yeah. I like that. I did like his character. He's not in it at all, and he is billed as like being the second star in this. But, yeah, he's not really... I didn't like him. He didn't like. I no. do. I do. Like, I think he does he's a good job of not being like British. This, but he's too much like. So you've come to assist me now. I think you in the guest. He was you fantastic. Might think so that much I charisma. I don't care, you know?
1: but I really do care. <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah, I can tell you don't care. You're you're trying to flatten this guy's emotions to the point of being
0: non-existent. Yeah, I d- I liked him in the guest loads, and then in this I did. had like a variety well. in the yeah. guest.
1: This was you only had the one panicky kind of scene. And then he's mad, or he's nothing.
0: That's it, really. Um, and then playing his brother is Boyd Holbrook, who plays Peter Cristo and he's like this. He's way um, better.
1: He's my second favorite addict. thing in the whole movie. Yeah, really. He he does it right. He does the all the little bits and pieces. He's he's in motion at all times. I don't mean emotion like moving across the room. I mean he's thinking about this guy who's a heroin addict, but lovable.
0: Yeah, he's not the same as his brother. They're not...
1: No. Know? The brother is the rich drug dealer, and he's yeah. the poor drug taker. Drug addict, yeah. Right. So if you don't think that's a cliche, I don't know, but that is. Like a huge thing, where you've got in one family the person with all the power and the person who's helpless to control their own life. That's a very... But um, I think he was one of the best things, because every scene I was compelled, and I cared. I started caring about his situation, you yeah. know, he's not like, he's not necessarily savable, but he's, he's worth saving, but he's, you know, you he don't the, you feel like there's a sense of doom happening He's the yet. worst
0: person to give a rifle to, though, in a Oh, <laughs> I shooter. disagree.
1: I think that was a good decision.
0: He was the... He was trying
1: to build him up and felt that he could handle that.
0: He didn't seem like he could to me. Um, yeah, that's why Liam Neeson's making the choices, man. The bad guys, the two serial killer dudes, are um, Adam David Thompson plays Albert. And David Harbour plays Ray. Um, and they're, I loved them. They were weird as shit. <laughs> they had this weird... Were they boyfriend and boyfriend? I don't think so. Is he just, when he said your well, boyfriend. I don't think there's anything. They're just he, he associates, brothers.
1: Tech. I have no idea. I didn't even think about it. Didn't care. No, I
0: did. I I was thinking about them a lot because I really liked them. You know, they were horrible, don't get me wrong, but I liked their portrayal of them. I was sufficiently creeped by them. When they were sat in that um, van and that little girl walks across the road, um, the look on that guy's face was like, you know, this is my number one mission now. Like, and, you know, there's also the creepy. They were just creepy, creepy as shit. Hanging around it people. How
1: bad the CGI is in that scene, and then the last scene with the windows.
0: I didn't really pay attention to it. Yeah, because
1: his face is in the mirror, but it's you could tell it's not oh, there. Oh, I wasn't looking in the and mirror. And it was like jittering, and right. then in the end, when they're in the windows from far away, they're both. I like...
0: did see that. Yeah, I did It was like,
1: and then yeah. when he's sitting in the chair, and the window behind him is supposed to be the city, and yeah. it was completely weird how they made it not right when it moved. When I did, moved I down. did see that. Yeah, it was so weird.
0: Yeah, it was like uh, the. Powers. The TV show Powers. (laughs) Yeah. Like no, I
1: I know what you're saying about the scene where he sees the girl walking across, but it was so out of place for the rest of the movie. There's, like, nothing else like it. The whole movie isn't digging into someone's mind and trying to get the vibe of a person. There's one flashback where it starts out a little wobbly because it's supposed to be him panicking when his wife is missing. But that scene where she's walking on the street, if the whole movie had a certain style that fed that, Not overtly, but subtly. That would have been better, but that was so out of place.
0: I really liked that scene. I was like, I was...
1: I'm not saying I didn't like it. I was almost glad they only
0: did that once and didn't do it a lot. If it doesn't make
1: any sense, that all of a sudden now we're watching, that we're getting this person's vibe when we're not getting any other indication that we're supposed to understand them in any way. We have one scene now. Da-da-da-da. And then that's it. If any of the other than the opening credits, like you said... That also is a little bit of that sort of weirdness of getting in the mind of
0: the person who's the. The opening psychotic. credits are really great. It's great because you don't. But then the rest of the movie doesn't reflect. Exactly that. know what you're looking at. And then it slowly, realization was like, oh, I'm looking at this, not that. I like.
1: Right. That. I mean, I don't disagree with that, but it doesn't fit the rest of the style of the movie. It's not put together in a way that makes it interesting like that
0: throughout. There are That's moments great. of like a, like I definitely got a vibe of somebody try, going like I like David Fincher's Dark set Seven is one of them. Um Silence of the Lambs is one of them. I like that stuff. But I'm not fully committing to being like that. I'm just going to do some of that.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? I feel that.
0: And those are those things, you know, the the creepy basement thing. The, the But it wasn't creepy. The opening scene and that scene with the girl walking across, which is very, like, you know, stylized thing. But I liked it. I, I don't know. I just... Those guys were creeping me out anyway. And, and when a little girl is involved, and it seems to... I mean, that's
1: the idea, isn't it? Yeah, and
0: it suddenly is this man's mission. Like, oh, that, that's what we need to get. It's a... Uh, and, you know, there's things that yeah, are just, like... That's terrible. It's just, like, really terrible, but, like, just a small thing. They're just... I I liked some of that stuff. It just made it feel them feel horrific, you know. Uh, I guess I'm
1: very immune. I don't. I feel like they're horrible, but they don't scare me.
0: I really liked them.
1: I didn't say I didn't like them. I'm as car- The as guy characters. who
0: played Ray, the David Harbour guy, he just creeped the shit out of me. the The moment I saw him. I,
1: because like, I don't find something perfect doesn't mean I di- I dislike it. It means I'm saying I'm not. I, I there's flaws, but I still get the whole
0: of it. And then finally, um, Astro plays TJ. And uh, he was, I didn't know because I've never seen him before. He was really good in the movie. He's yeah, the, really he's good. a kid, a homeless he's kid. He's the
1: first best thing in the movie
0: that um, Liam Neeson meets, and he, he meets him in a library. Because he's doing some research and they just strike up a conversation. And it's just always interesting when they're having a conversation. Because it's
1: 1999 and people still went to libraries. (laughs) Yeah, but
0: I thought it was always interesting. Every scene of those two talking was like interesting. Even when it was nothing, when he just turned up to give him something. I feel like he
1: made Liam Neeson better. Or that Liam Neeson was trying to show off for him or something. That he was a little bit more gritty and a little bit more relaxed than when he was with other people. Like, I'm I'm up with this kid, I need to be... Liam Neeson and the kid's really good Yeah, and I think he elevates every scene and I thought
0: the scenes the scene what was interesting to me was the scenes between the kid and Liam Neeson like you know at first you're like oh he's gonna have like a little buddy sidekick but they, they never fully go there it's, hmm. it's more like there's a bit of humor dotted through that, those scenes which it kind of gives more of a human thing to Liam Neeson that he can relate to somebody at least but uh, they don't fully go the, oh, here's his little buddy who helps him out like and, and looks up things those on the were, computer. Some
1: of their dialogue did feel like a page out of the script to me. Don't feel sorry for me. Yeah, I that, that and is. And then, yeah. don't feel sorry for me. Yeah. I
0: don't. Yeah, that is a thing. Don't feel
1: sorry for me. I don't. It just was a sort of one of those... You know, very written uh, movie script kind of a thing. But it but made sense
0: between the two characters. With made the...
1: sense in the whole movie of things that came off like that.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. one of the things I. One of the things which was like a, that this kid has this, you know, sickle cell anemia disease. That felt like a book, like a thing where oh, I need another thing to.
1: Make him sad.
0: Yeah. Like, like you got to have the things, like, oh, he's homeless. He needs a lot
1: of things to overcome. You know, to make families. us really root for him. Then we've
0: got to have that. And, you know, it, they were laying that on thick a bit. Where I was like, I'm already with him. I don't need... <laughs> yeah. I don't need a load of excuses to...
1: But I guess Liam Neeson's character might need more reasons to take him under his wing.
0: Yeah. Uh, so this is directed by Scott Frank. Who uh, has only directed one other movie. But this other movie is fantastic. One of... I think it is an amazing movie, and it stars jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and it's called The Lookout. And uh, it was from, you know, probably 10 years ago. Mm, yeah. It's a really good movie, a very tense... Would you say it's a heist movie? Really, It yep. really is, isn't it? Like a heist movie. Um, Really good. Really well-filmed, really tense. Much better movie than this one, to be honest. It's, it's a much better movie. It's a very, very good movie. Um, better in what?
1: I mean, this one's got quality, some quality about it. I mean, it's not you know too cheap, except for some of the CGI. If no, this is, this is a, a well-made movie. Yeah. yeah, And the lookout was
0: also. I just like, I just really like the lookout. There's some good performances in the lookout, and um, it was a really interesting, twisty, turny story that you actually couldn't keep. You know, It wasn't like, oh, I know what's going to happen like this one. It was more like, oh, really? And there's a lot of twists and turns in it. It's a really good movie. You should seek it out. A lot of people probably didn't see it. Because it wasn't a huge movie. You know, Disney put it out, I believe. Uh, But yeah. Um, There are, in this movie, it is very well shot, I thought.
1: Mm -hmm. Very.
0: They really got the, you know, the city felt alive to me. It felt like a city of that time. It felt like, there was some interesting shots, and some of them were... It didn't
1: feel grimy to me. It felt movie dirty. Like, when you watch movies from the 80s, where you can tell that there's staff off the side blowing yeah. pieces of paper down the street. There's a lot of it's walking. Like there's a
0: lot of Liam Neeson walking through the city. like you know, Walking,
1: walking.
0: Going past interesting-looking places. You know, even the, the walk among the tombstones, even the graveyard place looked really...
1: There's my biggest complaint. A walk among the tombstones. We have a cemetery that's... Brian once and then once briefly. That's it.
0: Yeah, but you could say figuratively, like walking among tombstones, like people dying around you, like, you know, th- there is people dying around you.
1: I don't think him. this writer's that clever.
0: You don't? No. That's how I was seeing it. Like, I you know, didn't.
1: I thought it was being very literal because we're going to a tomb to a graveyard twice, but then it's not much. You
0: know that you know the the end scene that takes place in a graveyard, that you know, near the end of the movie. That graveyard.
1: Spoiler possibly. I <laughs> no, not spoiler
0: possibly. I could, in Max Payne, the video game. It it all always revolves around a graveyard that looks just like that graveyard because that also takes place in New York. So they kind of always, look, and there's a shootout in a graveyard. So when that graveyard is coming out, this is going to be like Max Payne, you know, like graveyard
1: do look alike.
0: Yeah, there's something about the the tree cover and the lighting, and uh, you can t- kind of tell. That it's like Hoboken or, you know, it's it's one of those...
1: I don't know if you can.
0: Yeah, I think you can. it's, it's this something... Have you been
1: to a lot of graveyards?
0: You've no, but I've seen them. a lot of, like, New York graveyards in movies. New York's, like, it's New York's a cliche in itself in movies, <laughs> isn't it? It's in all movies. Like I mean, there's a lot of movies with New York.
1: Not all of it, yeah. A lot.
0: More than... I bet New York is filmed more than anywhere else. It seems to be. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, there's something about that, the Max Payne... Thing, it just started to look like Max Payne that that scene. So uh, extras in this movie, um, there are two. I need to uh, get them. Um, the first one is uh, Matt Scudder, Private Eye. What did you think of that?
1: It was fine. I mean, it was produced, but filled in a lot of things. Had the writer and the writer author of the book, and introduced us to all the background people. Who seem very much like this movie is a project and we will make the hottest project and we will showcase our talent, who is Liam Neeson.
0: They said they've been waiting like for <laughs> yeah. a while. Like Liam Neeson, they waited for him basically to be on board with it because they he was the person they really wanted for the movie. But yeah, what you're talking about there, that was the other feature, which is called a look behind the tombstones. And that's like a making of. It's about twelve minutes long, but the the this one, Matt Scudder Private Eye, it's actually more about the character Matt Scudder, and they talk about they talk to the author more, and mm-hmm. he tells you a little bit about the books and like how he came about the character. They were all
1: in the first one. That's what I'm saying.
0: Right. I'm I'm just saying that there's there's the behind the scenes, and there's the one that's focused purely on the writing of the story. Um, you know the books, and there are several books. And this is maybe there'll be more of this movie maybe maybe they'll cover some more of the books you know i don't know. like jack reacher you know they they are going to do another jack reacher apparently because there's about 50 books <laughs> so like you know it's a character you can you know do more do more movies for so um in conclusion what do you think
1: i liked it overall because i was involved with some of the people and with the look of it all i was never The, what I like about a movie that doesn't have too many shootouts or fight scenes or car chases, and this doesn't, has these tiny little ones that are exactly right in proportion to the story, is that chance to, if I do meet a character, that they're not just, they're not just tossed away, right? And that the people doing those characters make me interested. And that's what held it all together for me.
0: It's more realistic in terms of um, the action scenes. They don't like in some movies. You can tell they want like to shoot guns at each other for three or four minutes because like they want they want a big shootout.
1: Oh, I felt that's what there was in the beginning, totally.
0: Well, it it literally lasted two minutes. It I know, quick. but it
1: felt like let's have a big shootout because we're gonna
0: have to refer to this
1: later, and it was just him running and shooting and running. Right, and,
0: and sh- then then in this movie there is a, there's a shootout towards the end which doesn't turn into like. Oh, we're over here shooting and you're over there shooting and we're gonna keep shooting because people like to watch shooting. It was more, oh, that's how a shootout would really go to me. Like, you know, some people would shoot and then, then it'll get resolved quickly. Like somebody would die or somebody would get winged and then they'd run away. Um, but in a lot of movies, they overdo the shooting. Oh, yeah. They go into slow motion sometimes and, you know, it gets a bit crazy. Max Payne is actually a good example. Matt Wahlberg and Max Payne. They do slow motion shooting for, who knows how long? So, um, in conclusion, uh, for me on this one, it's a good crime movie. Um, it's not Silence of the Lambs like they seem to think it is. Um, like it's a smarter, updated version. No, 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 you it no. can't. It's not. It's not even close. Not, I mean, it, it, Silence of
1: the Lambs isn't a perfect movie or anything. No. It's just that it grips you in a way that this does not. This is very. Of um, the cover reflects the movie. It is a oh, let's look pick this up. It's Liam Neeson with a gun. If you're
0: like and Liam Neeson, being an action kind of dude, this is that movie. It's another one of those movies. I'm not saying it's super generic and boring, because it's actually quite interesting to it watch. It is,
1: interesting enough.
0: But I don't think it's you'll be like, in, you know, 12 months' time, oh yeah, remember that movie and Welcome on the tune It's not going to stick like that. It's not that kind of movie. But, you know, if you want to rent it or pick it up, it's, uh, it's well made. I've got to say that. So... Uh, thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray if you want to enter a contest you can win a copy of these final hours on Blu-ray just go to ascully.com. Uh next week's Blu-ray review is Oscar nominated American Sniper did it win Oscars? yes I feel like it didn't mm. but it was like highly you know Oscar um, it was up there in the Oscars wasn't it it took them a while didn't it to put this one out actually
1: yeah
0: I think you know why I think it went back into theatres that was the deal so next week is American Sniper. So movie recommendations, I am going with The Guest. Um That's based around, I always base mine around the movie that we've just watched. And uh, The Guest features Dan Stevens, who is the, they say he's the second actor in this movie, but I disagree. He's not in it as much as the kid even. Uh But yeah, The Guest. Well, he is.
1: He's actually in it more than the kid, but the impact of his character is less.
0: Yeah. So The Guest is a movie from the beginning of this year. It's like a genre type it's hard to actually put a finger on exactly what it is, but it's a style very stylized movie. Um
1: You think of it as one of those eighties horror kind of movies.
0: Yeah. A bit that and a bit A stranger. Among it's a bit monsters. like an eighties action movie. Like an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie or something. And an eighties horror movie kind of blended together like. And one of those home invasion movies also throw that in too, you know. So, it, but it's got this style to it and it's got an 80s style, 80s kind of soundtrack, even though it's not, it's new music. It just sounds very 80s. Uh, you should say it's The Guest. Um, and the other one is, uh, my, it's not my favorite Liam Neeson movie because it's hard to say this is any, if your favorite movie for any, anything, but it's my favorite Liam Neeson performance because it is really spectacular and it's Schindler's List. You can't say Schindler's List your favourite movie because it's really effed up and really hard to take,
1: but... Some people can say it's their favourite. Like, it might have such an impact on yeah. them that it's their favourite movie ever.
0: Yeah, it's not... I, I couldn't say oh, I had a real lot of fun watching Schindler's List because it is not that.
1: Favourite equals fun to you?
0: Yeah, there has to be an element of fun to be had in watching a movie, too. I disagree. Um, But yeah, there's none of that. So Schindler's List is a fantastic acting from Liam Neeson. Interesting movie, all in black and white. Looks spectacular that it's in black and white. I, I thought, always thought that was a really good choice to do it in black and white. There is a little bit of colour, but like the human centipede too. It's like a little bit of colour. It's different colour though. Yes. Um so yeah, that is a uh my. You're saying that to
1: enjoy movie, you have to have some fun. A little bit, yeah. So what's Can't, fun about seven?
0: Yeah, it's quite fun. What's There's a lot fun? of fun performances in there, I think. When? Where? Kevin Spacey's performance is really fun in Seven to me. Like He's, he's like funny.
1: Are you a psychopath?
0: But he's also terrible. He's-,
1: he's creepy and scary. Unlike these two guys from this movie. He's creepy and scary. He's toying with Brad Pitt but he's no fun. I don't know where your mind is. You're
0: like, you're scaring me. You're scaring he me He is now. fun uh, in that movie because <laughs> he's, he's really hamming it up and taking it like He
1: always hams it up. He's yeah. Kevin Spacey. That's not fun. My recommendations are Is it The Grey? Yep. With Liam Neeson. Because there's another
0: thing action-y of him being
1: well, I, don't know if, I don't consider it action-y, but it's
0: It's very actiony. It's
1: him I don't think of it that way, so I guess it isn't to me. But he's he is the same, but it's a a different shade of gray for them. It's him versus a, a nature. Man versus nature. Man versus himself. Man versus man in that one. It's not great or anything, but...
0: No, it is great. It's quite It's good. pretty great. I like it. Not, a lot. It's not
1: like one of the greatest movies ever, but... And then another one that is one of the great movies, I think, is Man on Fire. And I don't know why it's just that thing of a dude who, again... Maybe broken. Denzel troubled.
0: Washington also making a typecast some, man.
1: Yes, um, making some choices in the past that now he needs to. You know, he's doing this job because he we can't really. Do he's attracted else. to
0: the same roles as Liam Neeson, isn't yeah. he? There, there's that. Um, there's the singular wise. Man.
1: Yeah, the wise. I've I've done it all. I've been bad. I've been good. And now I'm worn out.
0: Yep. <laughs> or oh, I did something so bad, I have to make good for it. Um. And this is the only way I know how, and it's usually through violence or, like, protecting I'm, I'm trying
1: to think about it. I'm trying to be intellectual.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of that. If, I'm
1: going to outthink the bad guy. Don't you worry about that. But in the end, I might die.
0: <laughs> and in the, end, in the end, I am good inside. I have I, morals. I am or good. Or maybe I'm not. Yeah. That's the thing. So, so yeah, if you want to do, like, a... Movie Marathon with Liam Neeson and um, Denzel Washington movies. You'd be super overdosed on that. They have
1: different... I mean, there's um, American Gangster. He's not the same in that. No. Necessarily.
0: So, uh, games and ace scully stuff. I have been playing some games this week. Project Cars, actually... More than one? Two. So, (laughs) Project Cars actually came out this week. Uh, Oh, let me
1: interrupt you. American Sniper won one Academy Award for sound editing
0: right but it was nominated it was for, nominated
1: for best picture and best performance by an actor in a leading role for Bradley Cooper yeah oh wait it won yeah it just won that one it yeah. was nominated
0: probably. It this took a while to come out It's strange that it, only, it comes out in a couple of weeks but it's strange that it took so long I think like I said they put it back in the theatres and it must have done well back in the theatres again so um yeah Project Cars is the game I'm talking about um, it's a new racing game, crowdsourced. Uh, it actually started out as a Kickstarter and turned out to be a, you know, multi. I don't know how much it cost to make, but it turned out to be a final retail product that was a bit more than a Kickstarter. Um, so Project Cars is a racing game similar to Forza or uh, Gran Turismo or, yeah, well, those really. All the, you know, the Codemasters games like um, Grid or Dirt. Uh, so it's a racing game. It's based. It's a simulation racing game, so it's more realistic than most games. They're trying to emulate the real car physics and car handling, and there are real life race courses, lots of cars to drive. Uh, I've been playing it on the PC. It's actually out on everything. It's out on the Wii U even, which the Wii U doesn't get a ton of games, so it's kind of surprising that it actually made it to the Wii U. I don't know how good it would be on the Wii U because. You know, I've heard from the reviews this week that uh, it's actually struggling to perform well on the PS4 and the and the Xbox One. The PC version is the one that gets all the good reviews. You know, I've seen reviews where they've been sent every single copy and they've said the PC version is the best one. Which kind of makes sense because the PC is the most powerful platform. But uh, you've played it a little bit this week. <laughs> a even. tiny bit. Um, I played a lot of it this week I've been going through the career you start off in go-karts like the really 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 shitty little go-karts the 125cc ones where you know if you go to there's a go-kart in place here where we live if you go there these are the carts that you would start in but then you move up to the 250cc carts and now I'm in the Caterhams, which are like the very small kind of open wheel type sports cars you know so I've not actually got that far because you end up in Formula One cars at the end of the career. So um I have been racing through the career, but... And I've been using the wheel exclusively, the uh, Logitech G27 steering wheel. um Which is awesome, by the way. I don't think I could play this game on the controller after being on the wheel. You know, it's, it makes so much of a difference. Because um, it feels very realistic. So you don't play racing games at all, ever. And you sat down and had a drive in it. Which I've actually put a YouTube video up if you go to my YouTube channel, Ascully.com, I'm called. com, No, Ascully.com. Spelled That's, out? Yeah, D O T C O M at the end. A
1: S C U L L Y
0: D O T C O M. You can see. <laughs> you can see the video of you drive, you know, taking a drive in a Formula One car. The thing
1: is, though, when you watch that, it doesn't really show anything because when you watch it back, there's no racing. I'm not racing against anybody. There's no reference of how fast I'm going.
0: Well, well you were impressed by the speed about, in the corner,
1: right? Well, you were impressed that I went so fast and I didn't crash. This was after you given me the cart and the focus, and I crashed and hit the walls and da, da da da. Because here's how I like to race. I don't give a shit about the gears. I don't give a shit about the brake. I don't give a shit about the walls or any
0: other people. In real life, never put you in a car. I just
1: (laughs) like (laughs) to go fast. I don't want to trick. I don't want to dick around with it. I don't want to worry about slowing down at this point of the curve and like pulling on the handbrake. None of that shit. No, into the apex. Hitting the apex. I don't even know what that is. All I care about is going as fast as I possibly can and I like to get. Like where the my, my mind melts with the road, and I just want to go.
0: That's why I kind of give you like a, sh- uh, um, a not so curvy course and a very. If the fast very car. first one was
1: very curvy. Are you kidding me? No, I mean me? at
0: the end, the one. Yeah, that the, the video. end one
1: was fine because then I had just a couple of corners that I had to net negotiate, and then I would go 250 miles an hour. And that is awesome.
0: Now, so you played with the wheel and the pedals, and uh, in, and you don't play racing games, and you managed to race it. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, you did a race. <laughs> you 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 drove, drove. on your own. You were on your own. There was no other cars. And this game is awesome because you can have, I think you can have forty. You can have a race with forty vehicles, which is very very insane. Because if forty vehicles take off from a start line, when they get to the first corner, everybody oh, has yeah. to slow down. And go it's very difficult to get through that without any have kind you done of it? incident. I've not got to the 40 races yet because they go towards the end of the career, but I've been in a a race here with 20 cars. And when it gets to the first corner, you've got to either, you've got to be very clever, you have to either slow down and look where the gap is and try and get through the gap, or just go really, really fast and hopefully you don't hit anybody. But the AI in this uh, game, the other races, they're very realistic and they're just AI, but if you get behind them, It feels to me like they're being pressured by you. Sometimes they make a mistake. I I try not to hit anybody. I don't... When I race, I try and race clean. Like, I, I see it as, like, I'm racing for real. Why would I want to smash that guy off the track? Right, right. That would be, like... You don't do that, right? So I give people room. If I see somebody coming fast behind me through the mirror and I know they're going to take me, I'll pull over a little bit and let them pass, right? That's how you're supposed to race. That's racing.
1: No, you're supposed to stay in front of
0: them so they can't well, get Well, stay in front of them, but if you can see that there's no way I can take that... He's just coming. Even Formula One races do Yeah, but this. if you can block him. No, you don't block him. You don't block in racing. You don't. Why? Um, you want to
1: keep them behind you.
0: Yeah. No. You don't block. If If you're going to cause any damage, you don't do it. In racing, you don't. If In Formula One, or in any racing, if you're racing and you're at a particular skill level and you see a guy coming up behind you and, you, and you're like, I've seen this guy race before, I know, this, you know, I know what he can do. He's going to be second place. I'm probably going to be seventh in this race. You just let Hold him... Hold on,
1: that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, so you... then, fuck it, why am I racing? If I'm going to let everybody beat me.
0: Well, racing's not about being number one. Really? Um,
1: racing isn't about winning.
0: Well, it is about winning, but racing is a very complicated thing. You have points, you have seasons. It's not about like I must get to number one in this race, and if I have to knock people off the road or be very dangerous. Yeah, but there's a
1: difference between pulling in front of someone who's going to pass you in order for you not to make a better place. in Yeah, the race. Block,
0: blocking is actually banned in some motorsports. You're not blocking is just not acceptable. Like if you're like if you're like. Oh, I'm going to take the whole of this road up just so they can't get past. That is completely against the rules. You can't take the whole of it up, but you can, well, get in you front can. Of somebody you, who's going you, to overtake you. You can weave around, which people, you know, in the past have done. If you're, if it's a narrow track and you weave around enough, they can't get past you because because you're all over the place. They can never get through. People do that. They used to do that. Like, get disqualified for that. So you do pull over. You don't pull over and slow down. You just let them poo, let them through. If they're coming up. 200 miles an hour behind you and you're doing like 170 well they're where, going where to
1: 200
0: because you're maybe not as skilled as they are you you can see the corner coming up you've break you're breaking a bit earlier than they are they're confident to go through the corner at 180 you can probably do it at 160 then you let them have right of way you know it's just how it works so I see in this game the AI and they actually do that if you get up behind them like and, and you, there's a guy in front of you he won't block you. He will... Sometimes, I think that they know you're behind them. And it makes them screw up. Like like it's pressure on them. So they must have added that into the AI. And I've never really seen that in other games. Usually, what the AI does is it follows a line. And you can see it. If you just sit and watch the AI, they just go round and around and around. And it's very perfect. The AI is not perfect. Sometimes you'll see them spin out completely. And there's a, there, a flag comes up and it says, danger on the track. So you're like, oh crap! You've got to slow right down and like wait till this guy either like pulls over into the grass or he actually gets back on the track and goes. You know, so there's a lot of that, and that makes the racing really fun. So how did you like it racing? How does it? How did it feel? I didn't race. I just drove. Driving.
1: It was alright. I don't like the little wheel. It's too small for me, and um, my legs are too short for your setup. So that sort of struggles. So it's no fun for the physicality of it. But I like driving fast. do so you drive. think
0: the, the wheel, though, emulates a car? Like, the feel of... Like, if I give you a, a joypad and do the same thing... I have to disagree. A lot of it is missing.
1: I drive every single day and my car wheel doesn't feel like that at all. My car wheel doesn't pull at me. It doesn't vibrate. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, but
0: you're not me. driving like a racetrack.
1: I know, but you're asking me. I'm saying it doesn't feel like a car wheel to me. I've never driven on a racetrack, so I'm telling you how I drive every
0: single day,
1: more than once a day. Yeah. And my car wheel doesn't do this every time I turn a corner, and it doesn't go da 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 da.
0: Now that's G forces. Uh, so you're never going. You're in a Ford Fiesta. There's not G forces. No, I did going, it
1: even in the cart when I was going to slow. When you go to turn the wheel a bit. Yeah,
0: it's G forces. It's because you're going like. 70 miles an hour and you're going into a corner at 70 miles no, an hour.
1: No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if I start to go off the track a bit, and then I turn the wheel to the left and it, it tries to pull it out of my hand. My car doesn't do that.
0: That's force feedback. I can't help it. It's G-forces. It's because of the speed you're going. You're never going to do it in your car. You're never going it's not to because go...
1: The, no, there were times when I wasn't going fast at all. I was just. What I'm saying is every time I would do a turn and it tried to pull you back, normally I don't feel that in a car. So to me it's a very gamey feeling. I don't know that it's better or worse for me than a controller.
0: Uh, but it's fun. For me, I um controller like once you've played with a wheel, it's very difficult to play the I same same game with a controller, because it there's a difference in your brain or something. Like
1: It's it's second nature.
0: And it's the pedals to... are a huge thing. Because you um the pedal, the the accelerator pedal you can press. There's a lot of there's a lot between um off and on. There's a lot of yeah. What do you call that? Pl- play. There's a you know, from putting your foot down to the floor to it being off the pedal, there's a, a big range there. On a trigger, on a controller, there's a very small True. range. True. So it's harder to, like, throttle properly. And when, you know, when you're coming into a, a brake to break in this game, which you didn't really experience because you don't break, but you can let off the accelerator and press down on the brake at, slightly. And not lock the wheels up. There's a difference between locking the wheels up and not locking the wheels up. If you slam the brakes right down to the bottom, the wheels lock up and you can feel that you're sliding. You're not actually slowing down, you're sliding. You can actually feel it because it starts bumping. But you can get all that through the control. You don't get none of that through the controller. None of it. There's a rumble. Like, you know, if you're playing with the Xbox pad. A, I think
1: I'm not good at virtual experience because it doesn't feel like driving to me at all other than I've got a circle in my hand that I'm turning and I've got a foot thing that I'm pushing with my foot
0: I feel the speed like when I get really into it like I was racing some of those catarums this afternoon and I was winning there's nothing else like you, it not just yet. takes over like I, I can feel the bumps it all seems to work right you know I go over a bump there's the bump I felt it there's the I press the accelerator down, there's this, you know, it it shakes a bit. Like, it's like, that's supposed to emulate, like, your car shaking, because it would if you were... If you slam your foot to the floor in a Formula One car and it starts taking off at, you know, 100 miles an hour immediately, there'll be shakes to it. Your head will shake, your whole thing will shake. There's actually a camera in this game where you can be inside the helmet, so you're looking through your visor, and the head starts shaking when it goes really fast. I can't deal with it, it makes me feel sick.
1: Oh, that made me feel sick at first, all of it, but, but I, don't, I got over
0: it. Yeah, I don't feel sick just racing in the cockpit, but the helmet one, it's weird because also what the helmet one does is it emulates looking into the turns, so it's not, you're not looking straight forward all the time, he looks to the side to look into the right. turns. Now, because your head's not turning, but that head is, it's weird. Yeah. I don't think I'll be able to deal with Oculus Rift when it comes out, and this game does support that would it. That will be virtual reality, for yeah. people who don't know about that. Which is coming next year, like, there's going to be lots of different virtual reality. It'll be, like, 2016, you'll you'll hear virtual reality everywhere. I don't know if I'm going to be able to deal with it. It sounds mm. really you super... You mean, like,
1: we heard all the motion things a couple of years ago? Yeah, it, like it will be like completely that. Completely It'll be like
0: that. It'll come and go. I, I, I'm i very convinced it'll be a fad. Um, It'll be a cool fad, because it'll be interesting to try it, but... I don't know if I'll be able to deal with it. I think, you know, there are games that make me feel sick if I'm really intense on them.
1: Really? I thought you were immune to that.
0: Not completely immune, no, but when, you know, when it's right inside your head, there's no getting away from it aside from looking away or closing your eyes and, you know, prolonged periods of time in that. If I was to play Project Cars and I've got a visor thing on and, and it's all in there, I look to the side I see the sides I look down I see my feet I feel like that's going to make a lot of people sick I agree a lot of people I think there'll be a lot of people chucking up when that comes out but Project Cars I love it I think it's really great in fact as soon as this podcast is over I'm going to race another race um And Sid Talk, you can go and see her performance on uh, YouTube. I also uploaded a video of me driving, so you can see that one too. There's two different ones. Yeah, but it's not as interesting. Mine's in the rain, actually, (laughs) in an open-top car, so it's kind of interesting because you see all the water splashing on the helmet visor. So, uh, yeah, that's Project Cars. The other game I've been playing is the free PlayStation Plus game, or one of them for this month, called Race the Sun. What did you call it when I was playing it yesterday? I don't remember. You said you called it the smooth type game.
1: Yeah, the smooth Tesla game because it kind of reminds me of the thing Tesla just made hang on your wall. It's a battery, but it's like a, it's like that color and everything's kind of whitish and gray and, and it's, it's kind of smooth. it's
0: it's about solar energy the whole game. <laughs> right,
1: it, you you're in a craft.
0: You're in a craft that only moves when the sun when it's in the sun. So you've just got to drive towards the horizon. It, well, it's going. You can't actually stop it. But the more you're in the sunlight, the faster it goes. And if you go uh, alongside buildings where the, sh- where the shadows are cast, you slow down. So the idea is to get as far as you possibly can. It's a play- free PlayStation Plus game. It's cool. It feels free to me. Like, it feels like a game that you that they would give away for free. Do you know, like, it might be on the iPad or something and it's free, but you buy some in- in-game purchases to... Uh, but, yeah, there's not really much to it. It's cool to pick up and play a couple of rounds. It's on the Vita as well. I found it was better on the Vita, to be honest, because it it's more like that kind of game where you might pick it up, do a few rounds, and then put it back down again. So that's my games for this week. Project Cars, I can't recommend it highly enough. You should go and get it. If you're into racing in any shape or form, and you like Forza and all those, you know, Gran Turismo, don't think that this game is like a lesser version of those, because... In my opinion it's as good if not better. I think it's better than Gran Turismo and on par with Forza. So don't think it's this independent game that these three men made and it's like a full. It looks really good. It looks really good. Really realistic. Sunlight shafting through the, you know, you turn you I was racing in the evening, you turn around a corner, the sun, you see the beams like shining through the cat. It's, and you know, you you know when you're driving at night mm-hmm. or it, when the sun's going down. Sometimes you can't see the road, yeah. can you? Like, it, it emulates all those things. So, yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough, Project Cast.
1: Is that your new city's skylines? <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, you know. I'm you. playing that and GTA on the PC, kind of, on you know, that they're my games go to. Yeah, but game. I don't
1: hear you saying every day, I need to go do some missions on GTA. I hear you, you say every single day. No, I don't. You say, I need to do some racing. I need to do some racing. At the moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my
0: advice... No, not your advice. What is for dinner? Oh, for dinner. (laughs) I was going to skip
1: dinner. Leftovers, that's probably why I was skipping it. We have some leftover couscous that I made last night. It has some mushrooms in it. Some leftover corn and peas. Uh, We're going to have a burger with that, which is a vegetable burger. Because we don't eat meat. In case this is your first time around with the old, uh... After the show podcast. And we're going to have some soup, because I found some Amy's mushroom soup. Which sounds really yummy. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have beef broth or chicken broth in it, which most mushroom soups do. So I'm gonna try it, but it has cream in it, so I don't know if you want that. So you have your vegetable, lentil, whatever it is. Sure. And my advice is fess up. Do we all know what fess up means, children? Oh. Fess up means Confess. admit when you've made yeah, admit when you've made a mistake, whether your mistake is big or small, whether you're gonna get in trouble or not, the perception I think people think is no matter what, I'm going to get in trouble if I confess that I've made this mistake or I've done this thing. The problem with that philosophy is, or that approach, is that you're probably not always going to get in trouble. And if that's the problem, then you need to get your head out of your ass and accept getting in trouble. True. if you've made a mistake at work... And it's caused, you know, at my job, if you make a mistake, it can cost money. It can cost people, usually the next day, because we do lots of pro, it's a mainframe and network thing, you know, it's a data center. Cost the next day, it can cause 20, 50, 100 people to have to work extra hard on a project to fix whatever I messed up or whatever someone on my my staff has messed up. If I make a mistake, which I did just a few weeks ago, and I have in 15 years, I've made several mistakes. And I always say, oh, that was me. I email my manager, I tell him first. So I've made a mistake on the night before that on this Monday was going to cause people to be very annoyed. I mean, it seems like not a big... In the big scope of things, this one particular system was going to be down a little while longer, maybe a half an hour to an hour longer than normal in the morning, which means people can't get logged in and get started on their daily work, which is pain in the ass. I've no, I don't dismiss it. I think if I was the person trying to log in, I would be pissed. So i I do empathize with those individual people. However, when I back it up, I don't get too wrapped up in it. I mean, myself, I go, okay, I made that mistake. My manager walks in the door and he's like, well, how's everything? Because I get there about an hour before he does. So he comes in and checks on things and says, so, how's everything going this morning? How was yesterday? Because we work on Sunday. He comes in on Monday. And I said, well, first things first, I made a mistake yesterday. And so this particular department and his their um, CSM, which is the guy who's in charge of the whole department, will probably be annoyed. And it was me. I totally made a mistake and he just dropped his head like and he took a deep breath and goes, What did you do? And I told him exactly what I did. Whatever the outcome is that of that is there is nothing now I'm not in a life-threatening job where I'm like a spy or a police officer or someone where if I do divulge any certain particular information, my life and other people's lives might be in danger. That's a different thing. I'm talking about people who sit on their butt a lot at their desk or in the job and they might type something wrong or forget something or screw up something that basically just slow, you know, you know what I'm saying? There is a... It's like I'm thinking of a, uh, like those factory shows we're watching, right? Like a Lucille Ball thing. The candy's coming down the treadmill, and if you don't keep up with the candy, the candy starts piling up and falling on the floor, and then somebody has to clean it up, right? Because you are screwing up. That's the way I look at a lot of the mistakes that we can make. Aside from the fact that it does cost money sometimes, not every time, it's just time, really, an effort to resolve the issue. But I always say to new people on my, I'm the operations, I'm a shift supervisor, and if you come to my shift, the number one thing is, confess when you make a mistake. Don't hum and haw about it. Don't give me an excuse. If there's a circumstance involved, I'm fine with that. If at the moment you were trying to accomplish this thing over here, which requires quite a bit of uh, intense concentration, maybe big, huge commands and Sometimes, you you know, you've got a big procedure in front of you where you're typing lots and lots of steps. And in the middle of that, you end up getting four or five help desk calls and you get distracted. And that delayed you for 20 minutes. That's not an excuse. That is a reasonable explanation of the situation. However, you not asking for help at the beginning of that process would be what is a big word. But it's like that, that's where you... That would be the cause of the problem, essentially. That you didn't stop, call somebody else, and say, Hey, I've just been slammed, I need to da-da-da-da, right? You didn't mess up, but that's a circumstance. An excuse would be lots of other things. Like, you know, you got one help desk call, and it lasted 30 seconds because they hung up. You pick up the phone and nobody's there, and then you turn back around, and you forgot what you were doing. Okay, the phone call is not your problem. The problem is you lost concentration from a very time. So don't lie. Yeah, don't lie about it. Don't deny it. Um, don't pretend. Like if you make a mistake in the moment and you you look around and you're pretty sure nobody's gonna notice for a very long time, but that somebody will eventually, don't just wait it out. <laughs> like, if you've stopped the wrong thing, or you've typed the wrong thing, or you've moved the wrong thing, or you processed the wrong package and put on the wrong... Li- whatever your job is that you're doing, unless it's life th- even particularly if it's life-threatening, don't wait it out. Just throw your hands up. Find a person of authority who can help you resolve the issue, or a coworker who knows more than you. It's no, it's no crime to know less than everybody else. I have that every day. I know a lot less than a lot of people. And if I'm stuck in a situation where I've just typed the wrong thing and hit Enter, and I can't undo it, I immediately turn to one of my coworkers and say, Oh my god, I just did this. Do you know how to fix this? Do you know how to help me do this? You know me. I don't like to ask for help. But if I've screwed up something, I fess up. And if there is a circumstance that I can explain to you, then you need to believe that that's what really, that's what went down. Sometimes, unfortunately, my explanation is this. Oh, right. I completely forgot to do that. It never occurred to me. I saw that reminder three days ago, and I, was, I, I, it never crossed my mind again. And that's me making a mistake. I completely fess up. I will tell you I forgot with no excuse whatsoever. I did not follow up on it. That is it. Bring it on. Whatever. Whatever. You know, I've had three official write-ups in my 15 years. That's more than anyone else who's on our staff now has ever had.
0: Because you fessed up instead of lying.
1: Well, just because I made mistakes
0: and I always fessed up. Right.
1: And those particular mistakes got a little more attention. Not that they were any worse than any others that I've ever done, but, you know, they just affected people in a way that was my manager had to say, look, I need you to understand. And I'm like, I do understand already, but put it in there. I don't care. It's, It's... I'm not going to be laying on my deathbed someday going, oh, man, I feel so bad about that write-up I had 20 years ago on my stupid permanent record. Like, I just don't care, you know?
0: All right, so don't care and fess up. No,
1: you need to care about making mistakes. But let it go about getting in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. Go, grow, fucking grow up and deal with it. And in fact, it's quite liberating when you accept that you've made a mistake and you tell the world about it.
0: So... That's it. Fess up. All right, so let me remind you about our website. It's aScully.com. acecully.com, at You catch us on social networks, Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch uh, SID Talk's driving escapades in the uh, F1 car down the California highway on my YouTube channel, which is aScully.com, Acecully.com. A-S-C-U-L-L-Y-D-O-T-C-O-M. Just search for that and you'll find me. Uh, there's a lot of other... I put video game videos up there occasionally so you'll be able to see some other stuff uh you can also catch this podcast on stitcher.com the itunes music store the rss feed which is aschoolie.com click on the word podcast or the zoom marketplace or the xbox music or whatever they call it you can email feedback to me at aschoolie.com don't email sidso she doesn't care and finally stay classy mr liam neeson and what do we always say about liam neeson
1: i can't help it he always makes me sad because his wife died.
0: His wife died in love, actually, and then well, his wife died in real life. His
1: character's wife had died. Yeah. So then we see him as a grieving husband, and not long after that, his real wife died in a horrible skiing.
0: And then skiing So accident. then you so think, think of, he's.
1: Well, I you, think of him in... Yeah. You
0: just think of him grieving. I mean, it's I, sad. And that's so it. I,
1: excuse me. I always think. That. What? <laughs> you better end sooner. Wait. You're gonna have
0: it. <laughs> okay, so we'll leave you with that. Go and sit up. Do you want, to, want more of those? So stay classy, Mr. Liam Neeson.
1: And think for yourself or someone's going to do it for you.
0: Hey.